We're doing our annual free week on the Sharp Football Analysis website. All of Warren Sharp's betting picks and website content that normally requires a subscription is 100% free all week. Just Google Sharp Football, click the website Sharp Football Analysis, and click the blue banner up top to get access. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore McChrystal. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Sharp Angles Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all four of our weekly podcasts, we've got the Sharp Waiver and Injuries Show with Todd Burroughs, Tucker Bagley, and Curtis Hirsch. That usually airs on Tuesdays. Uh, then on Thursdays, we've got the Sharp Angles podcast with dan pizzuta and rich raybar and we've also got the sharp angles fantasy show with rich and his weekly guest that pops up at some point throughout the week depending on when rich can meet up with one of his guests also check us out on youtube be sure to subscribe to warren sharp on youtube for fantasy football insight matchup previews in-depth stats analysis and more now let's dive into some props for this week and as always um, let's take a look back at last week at one of the things we bet and sort of review our angles that we took there. And I wanted to start out by talking about Austin Eckler. We were on his under the under on his rushing yards last week against the 49ers. And this was an interesting game on Sunday night. The Chargers didn't trail in this game until just under the eight minute mark in the fourth quarter. So you would think this was a loss for us, probably, probably a good workload for Austin Eckler if they were leading throughout the game. But he had six carries for 24 yards, so we won, and we won pretty easily. Now, let's review why we bet it. The reasons were basically that the Chargers' offense, they don't spread teams out very well. They tend to force Eckler to run into a stacked box, and that's just not really what he's built for. He's not That's not his strength. You want to get him the ball in space. Obviously, that's why he plays a big role in the passing game as well. And the 49ers' defense is dominant with the stacked box. They create lots of early contact, so this was a bad matchup. And the Chargers basically seemed to enter the game acknowledging that this was a terrible matchup for them, and they just said, we're not going to run the ball. Obviously, they, they mixed it in a couple times just to keep the 49ers' defense honest, but it seemed like that that's all it was. It was just to keep the defense honest. They were all in on the passing game. They, they know that they can't run the ball in certain matchups. So it was a winner for us last week, fortunately, and it's definitely something that we need to keep an eye on because – they're probably going to run into some other matchups where they're going to abandon the run almost before the game even starts. Um, now, I'm not going to bet this this week. They played the Chiefs, um, and the Chiefs ranked dead last in contacting the ball carrier behind the line of scrimmage. They ranked 28th in yards per attempt allowed with a stacked box. So as bad as the Chargers have been at creating running lanes for Eckler, this is a matchup where they may be able to have some success and certainly a matchup where Eckler could break off a couple long runs if he gets a running lane. So I, you know, I'm, I'm always going to lean under with Eckler just because of the way their running game has looked. But for me, it's a stay away this week, but you know, keep in mind the Raiders are a good matchup that's upcoming in a couple weeks. So we're definitely going to revisit this one when they play the Raiders. We'll, we'll talk about the Raiders defense a little bit uh, for another prop coming up, but that that's a, they had a pretty good run defense. That's one of the areas where they're actually having success this season. So that this is a prop to sort of put on the back burner for now, but we'll definitely revisit it in a couple weeks. All right. Now for some props that we are going to bet this week, and let's just start things off with the obvious one. The one that I've been talking about almost all season, we're taking the over on Nick Chubb's longest rush. Um, 
as if you listen to last week's podcast, you know I was annoyed because on the Monday night matchup for the Browns in their previous game against the Bengals, um, this line wasn't available for no reason whatsoever. Everybody was healthy. They just didn't post it because uh, it's been the over has been a winner almost all season. There's only one only one game uh, where the under was the winner in this prop so far this season. And dating back to last season, uh, because he did break off a long run in this game again last week, it's now 12 out of 13 games in which Chubb has broken off a run of 20 or more yards. And as I said last week, the Dolphins were a tough matchup. They allow three or more yards before contact at the third lowest rate. But I said, go ahead and take it anyway because Chubb is matchup proof. He's the one when the defense makes a mistake, he is going to take advantage. And sure enough, he did. He had 11 carries uh, because the Dolphins really dominated this game from start to finish. He only had 11 carries, but on his final carry of the game in the early, early fourth quarter, 33 yard touchdown run hit us the over. The line, the line was actually available at 17 and a half, which I was shocked by. Obviously, that's because the Dolphins have a good run defense. The Dolphins were favored in the game. I think there was an expectation that he would have fewer opportunities, but I was surprised it dropped to 17 and a half because that doesn't really make me think that he's less likely to break off a run of like 18 yards versus 22 yards or anything like that. I I assume this jumps up again. It had been at 19 and a half for a while, Um, but I'm still going to be on the over this week as long as it's, I mean, if it's at 19 and a half, maybe even if it jumps up to 20 and a half, although I, I don't think I've seen a line in the 20s for anybody this year. They have the Bills this week. The Bills have a decent run defense, but they're more league average in some key categories as far as what we're looking for for a longest rush prop. Um, and if he can go over against a team like the Dolphins, we have to think that he's going to go over against a team like the Bills. Buffalo ranks 16th in their rate of allowing three or more yards before contact. Obviously, that's the critical number that we look at a lot. 80% of carries of 15-plus yards occur with three or more yards before contact. So that's the key number. That's why we reference it a lot for these longest rush props. Bills rate right in the middle of the pack. They also rank 21st in their rate of allowing 15-plus yards to running back. So slightly below average there. You know, As good as the Bills have been for the most part this season, they have given up some big plays. So... You know, this is a really good matchup. Now, the risk in this game is that Buffalo just kind of dominates and that Chubb doesn't see a big workload. But as I said last week, you know, he's basically matchup proof, even with a small workload. The defense is probably going to make a mistake at some point, and Chubb takes advantage of those mistakes at such an incredible rate. Um, now, you may want to keep an eye on the weather in this matchup. There, It is going to be cold. It's possibly going to be a little bit windy. I would say if it it does turn out that it's going to be extremely windy, then maybe you would consider staying away. Cause that if the bills, you know, if, if they think that there's just no way Kobe Brissett is going to challenge them downfield, obviously that increases their ability to stack the box at an extreme rate. And then, you know, that obviously would have an impact on Chubb's ability to break off a long run. But as of right now, it doesn't look like the weather is going to be so out of control that Buffalo is able to just, you know, completely abandon defending downfield so uh, as, as of now i'm definitely still feeling comfortable betting the over as i said it was available at 17 and a half last week but i don't care if it goes higher than that i'm going to be on the over pretty much whatever it's at because chubb just keeps winning on this prop you know i'm sure he's going to lose again at some point this season but i'm going to keep betting it week after week because over the course of the year we're going to profit on this bet if we just stick with it 
Let's talk about another longest rush prop. And this one's for Melvin Gordon. And I'm going to be on the under for him. This line was available at 11 and a half last week. I was shocked it was even that high because he's had a run over 11 yards twice this season on 82 carries. So, you know, that was an easy win last week for the under. Um, and he gets a tough matchup this week against the Raiders. I mentioned them earlier. The Raiders run defense is really the one area where they're still continuing to excel this season. They contact the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage on 48% of carries. That ranks ninth in the league. They allow 10 or more yards on just 9% of carries. That ranks sixth in the league. So they're creating a lot of havoc right around the line of scrimmage. They're not, they're, you know, they're shutting teams down. They're not allowing these big plays at a very high rate. And so I think that just creates a lot of issues for Melvin Gordon. He's been, I mean, he's been bad. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, he's not the Melvin Gordon that he used to be. Um, and, you know, for that reason, I think you can also, I think it's reasonable to consider the under on his rushing yards prop. He went over in week one, but then he's gone under in eight straight games now. So another reason why I'm interested in both of these is because he's got to lose playing time soon. I mean, he just, there's no other way to say it. He's been bad. This is not the Melvin Gordon that, we had seen for a long time in the league. He just has, he has no explosive ability so far. He ranks 49th out of 50 running backs in rate of gaining 10 or more yards. He's not elusive. He can't make guys miss anymore. He's averaging just 2.4 broken tackles missed per 20 carries. That's tied with James Conner and Dante Foreman to give you an idea of like, you know, the, the type of numbers that he's putting up right there. As recently as two years ago, Gordon ranked third in the league by that category. He was still elusive, you know, fairly deep into his career, but he's 29 years old now and he's lost it. He just doesn't have it anymore. So I, I think if we continue betting the under on his longest rush and probably on the, his rushing yards prop, unless that really drops significantly, which it certainly could because, you know, they haven't, they haven't cut back on his playing time yet, but you know, even without Javante Williams there, they've got to give the ball to somebody else. I mean, he's just not getting the job done. So I would think he starts to lose opportunities as the season goes on. So as I said, his longest rush prop was available at 11 and a half this week. If it's posted there again, smash the under. As I said, two of his 82 carries have gone over that. So that's an easy, easy choice. It could drop to 10 and a half. Or probably it should drop to 10 and a half. But even then, I'm on the under. Um, if it drops even lower to nine and a half, I, I would certainly lean under. I don't know for sure that I would take it though. Obviously, that's a that's a very low number for a longest rush prop for a running back. Probably doesn't go that low. I would guess it's available at ten and a half again this week because that's where it had been for a while. Uh, so hopefully we get that number, and I'm happily going to take the under. All right, let's get to another prop that you were probably expecting if you've been listening. Uh, throughout the season and this has to do with the Patriots defense so I'm going to be on the over on Garrett Wilson's receiving yards against New England and this is following the trend of betting against the Patriots defense and really trying to find an edge based on their unique coverage scheme they use a lot of single high coverage most of the league is shifting towards more two high coverages this season and so as if we're able to identify a significant difference we've gained an edge here so we're four and one following this trend so far uh, the Patriots were off last week, but in their last game, unfortunately, against the Colts, we took our first loss following this trend, which, you know, m maybe it was a mistake to even try to follow it that week against the Colts with Sam Ellinger starting. We bet the over on Alec Pierce's receiving yards, and they just they ended up having no passing game whatsoever. It was, it was probably a mistake to even try to 
uh, bet on the Colts in any way in, in that game just because of how bad they are with Ellinger at quarterback. Uh, but we are four and one following this trend, and one of those wins was actually Garrett Wilson betting the over in their last matchup. Um, it was available at 38 and a half in that game, and he smashed the over with 115 yards. Um, obviously, the line is going to jump up this week, but I'm still going to be on the over um, so long as it doesn't go much above maybe 65 yards. I think that's probably the highest. I would go, but anywhere up to that number, I'm on the over, and, and it and it hasn't gotten close to that number, so it's probably more likely to be available in maybe the mid to high 50s, and I'll I'll happily take the over there. To dig into some of the numbers, again, this is similar to what we've mentioned before, but the Patriots use um, single high coverage at the highest rate in the league. It gives us an advantage because you know everybody's shifting towards more two high coverages, so if we can figure out where where a team adjusts to single high coverage, Gives us a pretty big edge. And for the Jets, it's clearly Garrett Wilson. He's the one player that sees a really big difference. He sees a 25% target share versus single high coverage, 16% target share versus two high coverages. And as I said in that last meeting, six receptions for 115 yards. Now, one of the other angles that we've taken a lot has been fading tight ends, betting the under on tight ends because two high coverages opens up the middle of the field. So we're seeing a lot of Team when, when a team plays a lot of too high coverages, tight ends get a lot of opportunities. Um, Tyler Conklin doesn't seem to have a huge impact. His target share is pretty much the same versus single high and too high. And he actually had a pretty nice game against the Patriots last week. So I'm not fading him at all. His usage is going to remain the same. It's Garrett Wilson that is the clear player to target based on this trend. Now, we do have to acknowledge the risk in playing this, especially after he went off in their last meeting. And that's the fact that Wilson is clearly the Jets best player on offense and Bill Belichick wants to take away your best player so they didn't try to do that last week but Wilson also hadn't quite broken out and it feels like maybe he has at this point so maybe Belichick adjusts his game plan a little bit to try to take away Garrett Wilson that said I'm not so sure the Patriots have the talent in the secondary to take away anyone's best receiver this year I mean they're still starting Jalen Mills who's just been a total liability for them he's along 8.3 yards per target Jonathan Jones has been a little bit better, but even his numbers aren't great. He's along 7.3 yards per target in coverage. So I'm, I'm just not sure that the Patriots have the ability to take away Garrett Wilson, even if they even if they made that a priority. So I'm still feeling pretty good about the over in this matchup. Just wanted to throw that out there to acknowledge that you know, that certainly is a risk because we know that that's how Bill Belichick tends to attack teams with his defense. So as I said, I'm on the over up to 65 yards. Hopefully the line's available, though, more around maybe 55 to 57. That's kind of what I'm expecting it to be. But based on how Wilson sees a big uptick in usage against this type of defense, I love the over on this prop. Okay, the next prop that I want to talk about, it covers a similar uh, – it's a similar approach to the Garrett Wilson prop that we just talked about, but it's with a different team than we've spoken about in this um, in this way before. And it's, I'm going to be on the over – on Hayden Hurst receptions against the Steelers. Um, I have a little bit less confidence in this one than I do trying to follow the Patriots logic because the Steelers don't have a real strong trend here. But the first time these teams met back in week one, the Steelers used two high coverages on 65% of plays outside the red zone. And that's the highest rate the Steelers have used this season. So I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but it makes a lot of sense that they would do this against the Bengals because... Too high coverage just kind of takes away everything on the outside of the field. It 
it really benefits your ability to take away the deep ball. And against a team like the Bengals, especially back in week one when Jamar Chase was healthy, it ma- that makes total sense. You prob- Everybody should probably try to play more too high coverage against them to take away that deep ball and just sort of make them dink and dunk their way down the field more so than look for those big plays, which we know Burrow likes to do. So if we assume that the Steelers are going to play a much higher rate of too high coverage in this game, we should take a look and see who's going to benefit from that. Now, early this season, Jamar Chase still led the team in target share with two high coverages, but Hayden Hurst was second with an 18% target share. Now, since Chase's injury, it's only two games, so it's a smaller sample size, but Hurst leads the team with a 25% target share against two high coverage outside the red zone. In those two games, when they're playing against single high coverages, his target share is 7%. So it's a massive difference we've seen. Again, small sample size, but we do have a little bit of a, a fallback from the beginning of the season when Chase was there to know that he did also see a, a nice boost in his target share in those opportunities as well. So I think we can pretty safely say that if the Steelers do shift to this two high coverage use at a much higher rate against the Bengals, it's going to give a real nice boost uh, to Hayden Hurst's opportunities in this game. Now, in the last game, the Bengals played Hurst's line on his receptions jumped up to four and a half, which was the, his highest number of the season, but he still went over. He had five receptions in that game. It's been available to either two and a half or three and a half every other game this year. I suppose since he went over last time, we should probably expect four and a half again. Um, and if it's there, I'll still take it. If it's a three and a half, I'll like it a lot more though. Um, just seeing this target share, seeing how his usage has been the past two weeks. I think against the Steelers defense, we should feel fairly confident that they're going to attack the Bengals the same way they did back in week one defensively. And we should be on the over on Hurst receptions. Another wide receiver prop that I'm on this week is the under on Devontae Adams' longest reception against the Broncos. And this is mostly based on his matchup with Patrick Sertan. I'm not going to be on the under on his receiving yards because his usage has just been so extreme the past couple of weeks, 31 targets over the last two weeks. Raiders offense is basically Devontae Adams or bust. So he could certainly piece together a pretty, um, a pretty good day and rack up a lot of yardage, but I don't think he's going to have an opportunity to break off a big play in this matchup. I want to share some stats from next gen stats from their first meeting this, uh, this year. Patrick Sertan shadowed Adams on 71% of his routes in that game. So we should expect this to be pretty close to a shadow matchup where Sertan is following Adams around. And with Sertan in coverage, Adams had four receptions on eight targets for 46 yards. So he, you know, he pretty much contained him. Obviously, the Raiders are still trying to get him the ball, regardless of who's lined up against him. But Sertan did a nice job of locking him down and limiting the damage. And he just doesn't give big windows separations. His average window of separation against Sertan in that first matchup was 1.3 yards of separation. So Sertan is going to be blanketing Adams all over the field, probably on a very high percentage of his routes. He's just not going to get open and have an opportunity to break off a big play and to throw some more numbers behind that on the year um, when throwing at Sertan quarterbacks are four of 18 when throwing 10 or more yards downfield. So Sertan just does not give up plays down the field. So the odds of Adams, you know, getting behind the Broncos defense when Sertan is on him are very low. So to hit the over Adams probably needs to take a shorter reception and run with it. 
Um, and obviously, you know, regardless of who you're lined up against, if you want to scheme ways to get Adams the ball in shorter receptions, the Raiders certainly can do that. But the Broncos do a great job of shutting stuff down. If you're going to try to dink and dunk against them, they're not going to give you big running lanes. Only 1.8%. I'm sorry. When teams throw the ball under 10 yards downfield, only 1.8% of those plays produce 20 or more yards. It's the fifth lowest rate in the league. So the Broncos are basically comfortable with you taking some of these shorter routes against them because their linebackers and their secondary do a great job of keeping the play in front of them and not giving you running lanes. So he's probably not beating Sertan deep. He's probably not taking a short pass and running for a long gain. So how's he going to hit the over? For Adams to hit the over on his longest reception, he probably is going to have to come when he's matched up against another cornerback and he gets loose down the field and breaks off a big play. That's That could happen. As I said, in their first meeting, he was shadowed by Sertan on 71% of his routes. So there were opportunities against others in coverage, but you know, that, that's going to be a small number of opportunities throughout the game, and he's going to have to hit on one of those. So I really like our chances of winning on the under on his longest reception. This line is probably going to be available right around 23 or 24 yards. That's where it's been lately. Um, don't don't expect a significant change in the line. So anywhere right around there, I'm going to be on the under because this is just a really tough matchup against Patrick Sertan. All right, that brings us to the Thursday night portion of the podcast. We've got Titans at Packers. It's going to be a cold one in Green Bay. Temperatures are going to be in the 20s, but no snow in the forecast and probably not extreme levels of wind, not to the extent that we would expect it to have a dramatic impact on the passing game. Now, cold night game in green bay you are probably going to hear people talk about how it's so hard to win in green bay such a home field advantage with the cold and all that um and it's probably not true uh the packers have played 16 games at home in freezing temperatures over the last 10 seasons according to true media they are nine and seven against the spread the over under in the game is eight and eight so there is not a significant betting angle to take in this game based on that trend in particular. Obviously, there's other other reasons you could talk yourself into one side or the other. But if anyone's telling you in the cold, in Green Bay, bet on the Packers, don't listen. There is no significant trend here whatsoever. Uh, both teams are playing in the cold, and it seems to affect both teams the same. The other angle that you might hear about, however, is that the Titans with – Derrick Henry and their smash mouth run game that maybe they're better suited to play in the cold. It's logical. Sometimes, you know, power run game does work well in the cold. Um, but keep in mind, Derrick Henry is from Florida. He played his college football at Alabama in the SEC. He's now played his NFL career in the AFC South. So he doesn't have a ton of experience in the cold. And when he has played in freezing temperatures, it hasn't been overly impressive. He said three games in the NFL and freezing temperatures. In fact, one of them was at Green Bay in 2020. That was his best performance, and it wasn't anything special. 23 carries for 98 yards, zero touchdowns. In 2017, he had a game at home against Jacksonville, 28 carries for 51 yards. That's 1.8 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns. And then in 2016, his rookie year, he wasn't the full-time back at that point, but just wanted to mention it at Kansas city, nine carries for 58 yards. So we've never seen Henry dominate in the cold. I mean, it, you would certainly think that maybe a power run game would do well in this, um, in this type of weather, just 
you know, run the ball over and over, try to wear down the defense. But it just that hasn't been the case in the very small sample size we've seen for Derrick Henry, at least. And, you know, knowing that he has very little experience in this type of game should certainly factor in as well. I don't I don't think we have any reason to believe that he's you know perfectly suited for this. So don't assume that Green Bay has a significant home field edge, but also don't assume that Tennessee is better suited because they've got the better power running game. I just I just don't think either one of those. Um, theories that you may see floated out there this week really hold any water. Now, there is a prop that I like in this game, though, and it's the under on Aaron Jones rushing yards, which is available at 57 and a half. This is partially based on the Titans' defense. The under for starting running backs against Tennessee is 7-2 and two this season, and I don't think this is a fluke. I think there's some strong numbers to back this up, that they have really been good against the run. They're creating a lot of havoc up front. They contact the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage on 55% of attempts. That leads the league uh, by a fairly good margin, too. They've really been dominant at creating havoc in the backfield. So Green Bay is probably going to struggle to create running lanes for Aaron Jones, and they have a history this season of abandoning the run game. Jones has four games with single-digit carries. So knowing that they have abandoned the run when it's not going well, and we have reason to think that uh, Tennessee is going to create some negative plays in the run games because of how they how they attack you at the line of scrimmage and plug holes really well, um, this is going to be it's going to be difficult for Aaron Jones, and they may just abandon the run early on. Now, again, I wanted to mention the, some history here in freezing temperatures because. Some people see cold weather and think, oh, we're going to see them run the ball a lot. And that's just not the case. You know, it's the wind that affects how much you throw the ball, not not the temperature itself. The Packers have played 10 games in freezing temperatures since Jones' rookie year in 2017. In only one of those games did they run the ball over 50% of the time. The Packers are still going to be a more pass-heavy offense in cold weather. It just doesn't matter. The cold does not affect their game plan whatsoever. The most recent example was last year. They had a 37 to 10 win over Minnesota. They ran the ball 43% of the time. Again, this was a game that they dominated from start to finish. They easily could have just leaned on the run, but they only ran the ball 43% of the time. Jones had eight carries. AJ Dillon had 14. Aaron Rodgers had 38 pass attempts. And Jordan Love even came into the game late and had four pass attempts of his own. So again, like that was freezing temperatures. They had a big lead. Would have made total sense for them to lean heavily on the run, and they didn't do it. They still threw the ball over 40 times in that game while Jones had single-digit carries. So do not expect Aaron Jones to get an increased usage in this game just because of the weather. That's not going to happen. The temperatures are not going to affect Green Bay's game plan whatsoever unless we see a huge uptick in the wind. But as of now, it does not look like the wind is going to be uh, – swirling around at levels that are going to affect the passing game to a high degree. So expect a pretty normal game plan for the Packers despite the weather. And we think that Tennessee has a very good chance to shut down the run game, probably leading to the Packers abandoning the run to a degree. And so I love Aaron, the under and Aaron Jones rushing yards, which is at 57 and a half right now. That's it for this week's podcast. Hope you have a fun and profitable week 11.